0: You're listening to Experts in Their Field, a podcast from the Agricultural Science Association, generously sponsored by Dairy Gold Agri-Business. Hello, my name is George Ramsbottom and I'm the president of the Agricultural Science Association. In this episode of Experts in Their Field, I'm joined by former classmates of mine, Michael and Ashling Flanagan from County Mayo. Michael and Ashling talk about their careers following graduation in Agricultural Science the reasons why they returned home to the family farm in Mayo and the challenges that they have faced in establishing their dairy sheep and sheep yogurt business called Velvet Cloud. We wish Michael and Ashling every success in the years ahead. Today I'm joined by uh, Ashling and Michael Flanagan. They're farming in Rockfield in County Mayo and they are the owners and proprietors of the Velvet Cloud brand of sheep's yogurt. Ashling and Michael, and myself, go back a long way. We were three of us were in college together uh, many moons ago. We won't say how long, Ashling. It's inappropriate. Thank uh, you, George. <laughs> and maybe I'll start with you, Ashley, because you, you you're not from Mayo. Maybe tell us a little bit about your background, the career. Yeah,
1: George. I'm actually, ironically, I'm a, a townie. I grew up in Dunleer, and huh. um, but my mother was from a farming background from outside of Mitchellstown. So I don't know. That probably where my love of all things agriculture came from so every summer I would be shipped off down to my uncle's pig farm well pig and dairy farm at the time and I just loved it I, I you know would be out mucking in with everybody else um so I went to college uh and I was studying that's where we met uh yourself myself and Mick and then towards the end of that I suppose an attraction was sparked and myself and myself have been following each other around the world ever since
0: so where'd you head for, Ashling? Where'd you head for first?
1: Um, after the degree, I um, uh, did a graduate program with uh, it was called CBF at the time, which is now the Irish Food Board or Board Bia.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and they sent me out to Milan, which was a lovely posting. And while I was there at the time, I was just fortunate. The manager there left, and I was appointed manager of their Milan office, which looked after at the time looked after the Italian and the Greek markets, helping Irish companies export their food products. Um, to both of those markets.
0: So a fairly senior job from a fairly young age, um, actually, for you. Yeah, it was. It
1: was lucky. I got a huge amount of experience, and then also a huge amount of contact, I suppose, with the Irish food industry, which you know has been very useful, obviously, from a network point of view, and now from what we're um, doing here ourselves.
2: Correct.
0: Now, Michael, tell us a bit about your background. You're from Mayo.
2: I'm. I'm from Mayo, George. Not exa- Not where we are now. Just um, a village the other side of Clare Morris. Um I grew up in a, one of these typical country crossroads places we had a shop and a pub and we had a a farm as well we were primarily dairy farmers but we also had a flock of flock of yews which we had on sort of reclaimed bog land which couldn't carry heavier heavier stock so but i suppose farming was always my first main and main interest and i went to went to ucd and I suppose my object uh, ideal at the time was i would love to have been a dairy farmer. I'm envious of these lads coming out now and they head off to New Zealand and that opportunity wasn't there in our time. Yep. but um when after the degree, I went working for um what was at the time the United Meat Packers group uh, here in Bally, in, Bally, in in Valley which isn't too far from where I come from. And um, I was working a rendering plant there, and just kind of, I suppose, a bit like ashling kind of the opportunity came along, right place, the right time, and I, I was uh, managing the operation within within about a year or so. Then um, it had the business had a well-publicized downturn, a big fire, a bit like the fire we had last week in the country, and um, it precipitated the demise of United Meat Packers, and then it was taken over by, at the time, Irish Country Meats, which was at the time part of Abinmore, which is now Glen B. It was the meat division of, of that business at the time. Okay. Sp- spent another couple of years there. Got a lot of experience because I suppose I was in a relatively relatively senior role at quite a young age. And and then I wanted to do something different and move on. So I actually ended up going to Milan to do an MBA. And I did an MBA in Milan in Stabacone. And um, after that, I worked in the meat industry for another while around Europe. And um, we, in total, we were there. I was in I was in Italy for about three, four years, you know, a, a great experience. Just, you know, foreign travel then was a much bigger deal than it is now. You know, there wasn't Ryanair to get to the, around Europe for 50 or 60 quid. The, you know, I remember the first over and back to Europe. I remember coming back to see my own in Ireland and it cost me 450 pounds. It would have been at the time, you know, Absolutely. It was, you might do it for 45 now, you know. That's
0: it. So the two of you ended up in in Italy for a while, and then you made the move to up towards Paris and well, the south of France and Paris together. Actually, yeah. we take that one on for us, please.
1: Yeah. Um. So yes, Borbia moved me to their um Paris office, and I was with them for another two years, and um and so I suppose um we had just got married um as we were I was doing that move and Michael was just finishing his MBA and he was offered a position in France as well but it just happened to be at the other end of France so for um about what was it two years we commuted you know every weekend we one of us would go to Paris or one of us would go to Grenoble um and then Michael got moved to Paris and we started our family and our first child was born in France and at, at the time I also changed from Bia and I went to work for Heinz as in the ketchup except I was yeah. working for Ready Meals, the very sexy brands like Weight Watchers and uh, mm. Linda
0: McCartney <laughs> But again again, Ashing it's all food related?
1: Yeah correct, food and, and marketing and, and branding and sales related exactly yes Yeah.
0: So that was all kind of feeding into your kind of experience for what was to come?
1: Correct. We were very lucky. If you think, about, I suppose, you know, if you think about all of that, we we, we with Michael's background in in dairying and in agriculture, with our own degrees, and then going out into, you know, if you think about it, Paris and Milan, the hub of excellent food, and and um, we were exposed to so much. It was just really, really interesting. Which is where the kind of that that idea for our business now, Velvet Cloud, came from. Because we'd be no Michael in particular, be really interested in all things dairy and cheese. And we
0: begin to notice there were so many sheep, dairy products in both of those countries. Absolutely.
2: And just tell us then about the return back to to Dublin, as it turned out. Um, Well, we spent a number of years in France, George, and I had worked in the IT industry when I was in France. And I suppose our first... uh, our first kid had arrived and we were needed a bigger place because we now had kids or whatever, as opposed to a city apartment. And yeah. it was a bit of a crossroads and we we're wondering, what do we do? Where do we go? And I just a good opportunity came up in Dublin. It was the kind of height of the dot-com boom or just the early days of the dot-com boom of the late 90s, early noughties. And we moved back in 2000 and um, we were all going to make our fortune, but that didn't quite work out. But uh, it was some I got some great experience or whatever. And after a few years in Dublin, then we moved to the West. I suppose we had two kids at that stage and a third on the way. And mm. kind of I suppose we began to realize having grown well, me and anyway, having grown up in the countryside that it was a better place to have young kids anyway. I remember it striking me sitting on the step at the front door, what keeping an eye on the kids as they played football across the road. And it just didn't seem to, to make sense. Yeah. So we moved back and um I started a food business, well, it was a seafood business at the time, which um, went for a number of years, but unfortunately didn't survive the crash there around the noughties or early, early, early teens. Yeah, yeah. And um, that, 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 that came to its natural end and we were looking around for something else to do. And then the, um, you know, as Ashley said, I had always been interested in I suppose dairy farming of some sort and uh, when we were in France initially I was always anytime you'd be out the countryside there'd be a lot of these open farms or tourist farms I was always mad to go and visit them just to see what the rat I and I sheep milking sheep dairy sheep milk dairying always intrigued me for some reason and um, we're at a bit of a crossroads and I began to think a bit more about it began to research it and from there, I suppose, it, it came, you know. We were
1: lucky, George, in that um, at that time as well, there was quite a few of the trends occurring that sort of um, suited the opportunity that we discovered. So there was a huge interest um, in um Health, you know, we were beginning to look and realize that we needed to look at as as a nation, look at our diet if we if we wanted to remain healthy. There was also yep. a nascent interest in the microbiome and the importance of uh, your healthy gut and how that feeds into a healthy mind and a healthy health. That was quite, you know, it was only just um starting. There's a lot more of that going on. Um now, we're now. Right. chefs were beginning to become interested in locally produced product and Irish product and actually identify it on menus. Mm-hmm. And then there was this interest Our interest, people were beginning. To and uh, diagnose themselves or become or, or be diagnosed as intolerant to various uh, products, food products, yep. including dairy. So you know the opportunities seemed to be there.
0: Yeah, and how? But at this stage, you were farming a flock of sheep already, weren't you? the were just
2: conventional. Sheep. Yeah, like as I said, I had this other food, seafood business, and like I had, I where we live now is an out farm from what would have been the home farm, and and I inherited this, and I had a flock of like of, of muleys and there were I was sort of been managed part time and we did a, I did a half decent job with it, but I suppose we had the land base and I had been in sheep farm and then I was comfortable working with sheep so and I suppose I had grown up on a dairy farm, so it was a kind of kind of matter of marrying the two but um, right, yeah. it wasn 't that easy to get going essentially because there wasn 't a whole lot of sheep dairying in Ireland. and I know the first time I went looking for stock i couldn't um, i couldn't i couldn 't get any and we eventually did get stock there were of um mediocre quality as well so the early days was tough enough in terms of getting the thing going but um and mark and Ashley, from a marketing perspective did you see
0: a gap in the market or how did you determine that yeah absolutely well again i
1: suppose as a marketeer i'd be a strong proponent of doing as much research as you possibly can so we would have done a lot of research so yeah there, there was no other um uh, Irish sheep's yogurt for starters in in the marketplace, and then those trends were beginning to accelerate that I that I outlined to you, yeah, exactly. um, and yeah, we so and then we would have done our own research. We went around to chefs with prototypes we'd made in the kitchen, and the feedback was phenomenal. Sheep's milk, we're fortunate. Sheep's milk is much thicker than cow's milk, um, and therefore it has a higher nutritional profile. So it's you know higher in protein and in all the good fats and in vitamins, etc. Um, So it lends itself to lovely, creamy dairy products. So the yogurt that um, Michael made that we were using for, you know, to get feedback on was just fabulous. Um, And the chefs were saying that to us. So we actually ironically thought that our market was going to be people, chefs and people who were interested in cooking and, you know, recipes. But we quickly learned that the biggest um, market that was interested in our products was the market that felt they were intolerant to cow dairy and they didn't want the plant based alternatives, you know, the processed nature, the carbon footprint, or they didn't like the taste and the smell of
0: goats' products. Michael, tell us about um, sourcing the sheep and about the skills needed to that you learn to make the oil.
2: um well, sourcing the sheep. There was one large sheep dairy in Ireland at the time, it was um, connected to Cashel Blue, and they were supplying sheep milk to Cashel Blue to make. If you like a sheep version of or a similar she, uh, blue cheese called Crozier Blue, Crozier Blue, yeah. And there was a couple of smaller farms then at the time as well, but um, to be honest, that that's about all there was. And and, and I, I got my first stock eventually from um, from the the, the farm supplying Cashel Blue it was running the other side of Cashel, a guy called Henry Clifton Brown. Henry Clifton Brown, yeah. But um, they were near. I suppose they weren't great. And Henry told me that at the time they were kind of left leftovers that Henry had, yeah, And yeah. um, you know, as well at the time every dairy sheep in Ireland was nearly related to every other dairy sheep in Ireland yeah. because they had all been sourced originally from the Clifton Brown, different mm. brown stock. So, you know, we imported then as time went on, we, we imported stock from France and from the Netherlands. Um, okay. there are now three or four or five, I suppose, um, what, what you might call commercial scale sheep dairy business. And as it happens, I think all bear one are ag graduates as it happens. Hmm. And um, there's Michael Cross who was taking over the Clifton Brown operation there in Cashel. There's Barry and Lorraine Cahillan who are near Boris at Cain. And Elizabeth Bradley is over near Carlow. And probably in, am I forgetting anyone now? Yeah, Sean yeah. Fitzgerald was over in Clare and he pioneered it here in Ireland. That's right. And he'd been there since the 80s. Now Sean has retired from milking sheep, but he still makes his he still makes his cheese
0: okay so you, you get going you have to put a bit of a spend in now building well, the facilities
2: we do yeah like i had housing all right but uh, or a certain degree of it but we didn't we have to build a parlor and um then we had to build it we built us and put on put up a small processing unit as well on the farm um and you know as we the initial plan had been to make cheese but when we looked into yogurt we saw those significant opportunity for yogurt and just um it lends itself to making a very good yogurt and just as Ashley touched on you'll appreciate this george the um the solids in sheep milk are substantially higher than cow they're about 75 percent higher than cow like the average um, fat would be around six and a half and the average protein would run at about five and a half you know yeah. and creeps up higher than that towards the end of lactation yeah, sure. so in terms of from a process in a manufacturing point of view you can make a thick creamy yogurt by just adding yogurt cultures to the sheep milk. Whereas with cow or goat, in a lot of cases, they have to be bulked up, if you like, with milk yeah. powders, um, whey powder or skin powder.
0: Okay. And if we just think for a second then, um, how has your ag degrees uh, helped the two of you to um, kind of formulate this business, get going and all the rest of it? Where are the, where are the lessons for other agricultural graduates that are coming through um, from the, for the opportunities that, that you've seen over the years?
1: Um, to be honest, with you and I was asked about this for Careers Day. I think recently for Ag to, to talk to some mm-hmm. of the Ag students. I think the biggest thing I don't know if you agree, George, that we got out of the Ag degree is the diversity of people that you meet and the networks that you create. Um, so you know, people are coming from all over Ireland, and then they end up in all sorts of different jobs and disciplines and professions. And therefore, you have a very diverse network which you can tap into and, uh, you know, it helps you to grow your business and indeed you can help them to grow their business. So to be honest with you, that was the biggest thing I think I, I, I would have got
2: out of it. And I suppose, well, by my own point of view, I mean it is a, a farming operation and a food processing operation. There are two, in effect, two distinct businesses, yeah. and um, the farming, the farming, the technical, like, you know, what we're doing with the sheep is is very much we have to make up, make it up, not so much make it up as we go along, but we're almost creating, or we have to research it all. There's no like your own. Colleagues in Chagas don't have any experience of milk, of, of sheep milking, but, you know, the technical aspects there in the background, the, the technical part of the degree does help considerably in that, you know. Of course it does in terms of finding and processing information. A, a, absolutely. And likewise, the, the, you know, the experience in the food industry from the point of view of the, the manufacturing part of the product, you know.
0: So actually, if you go back then for a minute, and we know the whole the whole COVID-19 pandemic in the last year so how has that affected the business and what kind of stresses did it create
1: um it was hugely stressful george we remember the day when leo bradker made his announcement and slightly over 40 percent of our turnover was going into what we call the food service sector which is into the restaurants and the high end um Uh, chefs and for a young business like ours to lose overnight or at least they were closed so the orders stopped coming in to lose that kind of revenue straight away with zero warning is absolutely significant we have a son who's um studying computer science in ucd now and he had always been saying to us you know why don't you try selling a bit online and just see how it goes and it wasn't a huge priority we were very active online but we were busy enough growing the business but it suddenly very quickly became a priority on that day in march and we said look well, we've not, you know, nothing to lose. We've just lost 40% of our turnover. We better start doing something quick. So we went online and literally the thing exploded. Now it exploded because of the perfect storm we were in. People were afraid for their health. So they wanted to eat a bit healthier. They didn't want to go outside. So they wanted to buy online uh, more. And we have been working on that. We've seen it's opened our eyes to the market opportunities and, and a totally new channel. So it's now a very significant part of our business. We never thought people would buy six pots of yogurt um, every three weeks. And we have people on subscription who do just that. And then we have others coming to us. We're able to sell our cheese online as well. And we're going to launch, you know, specific sheep's milk products, which are under wraps at the moment for the Christmas market. You know, just again, just try and build brand. Absolutely. Um, because we find around December, people are slightly less healthy for those few months, those few weeks going into Christmas. So maybe our yogurt sales will dip a wee bit. We're we're not sure. But yeah, a huge learning journey. Um, George, uh, since COVID, um, now positive. Certainly highly stressful. Um, at the time.
2: Yeah, and there was also a swing back among the general public towards a greater appreciation, maybe, of Irish food products or whatever, or the, if you like, the, the fragile nature of, 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 uh, of everything at the time, because, you know, imports began to stutter because of logistics lines had broken down and whatnot. And, yeah. you know, you might remember there were gaps in the shelves in the supermarkets at the time where overseas products weren't making it in. So there's a bit more loyalty, which has remained there, I think, to a greater extent now will we have a bit of it now with the Brexit is, is, is impacting on that kind of in a similar manner at the moment but there's a greater loyalty or appreciation I think of what's produced here in the country from a food point of view than there would have been say two three years ago
0: and looking forward then for Velvet Cloud and your other enterprises where do you see the market kind of going or what's what's ahead of us
2: um I'd be very confident about where we are because to be honest, we you know I think we you know while the initial part of COVID was was pretty difficult, um, I think we turned the corner record halfway through COVID because it something just seemed to click and there was a just a greater awareness and our sales have grown quite quite significantly in the last sort of 12, 14 months. And I'd be very optimistic about about the future ahead. To be honest, we just we need to. I suppose the biggest challenge for us now is to scale the business and to be able to to fund that um, scale into the business. We need um, we need to increase the milk flock. Uh, at this stage, I would take on. I would commit to buying milk of someone if somebody else wanted to milk sheep, and we need an expanded um, processing capacity. You know, like since we've started every year every year I have two or three people come and, you know, cause it's so different to, to talk about and have a look and they say, well, if, and many of them don't want, or most of them, i say don't want to go processing or whatever. And the thing about it, if you want to start milking sheep, you have to have somewhere to go with your milk. There is no, there, you can milk a couple of thousand cows in the morning, you'll have a buyer. You mightn't be happy with the price you get for your milk, but you know, there's somewhere to go with it. And there is one large buyer for goat's milk as well in the country, but there isn't the case for sheep. And. Um, you know, but I, um, you know, most most people don't want to. So I've been asked many times, "Would you, would you buy milk off it if if, if I was to produce it?" And I, I've never said yes, up until the last sort of six months. I said, "Now, yes, I would buy your milk probably at this stage." You know, You're good. That's super going. And yeah, actually, the trend, I
1: came- sorry. Sorry, George. (laughs) um, Yeah, those trends I mentioned are all in our favour. You know, we're still that whole area on on gut health is, is just exploding, intolerance, dairy. The carbon footprint thing is the sustainability aspect of the business as well as coming into it. We also, we haven't spoken a lot about it, but we also produce cheese. Yeah. Um, and every single year we've sold out of cheese. So I think with, and we don't, like we market and we brand and we make a no- lot of noise about our yogurt because it's different. We make very little noise about our cheese because we don't need to and we sell out. So I think, you know, from that point of view, and um, the future is fairly bright and, and we have samples gone out to various markets. They've all been, uh, you know, had their issues with, with COVID. But again, even... Be- the future is very bright if, by, if we just even look at exploiting the demand in Ireland, we're listed with one major retailer with super value. So any super value in the country can purchase a um, velvet cloud, product. but we haven't touched the others yet. Um, and then we're in independent health food stores. So, yeah, certainly, hopefully, again, as Michael said, if we can get the funding in place to scale, because, as he said, it's two businesses that we have to fund and grow And hopefully um, things will be looking good.
2: And just on a broader note with sheep, milk and George, I know you in the dairy business, the cow dairy, you look a lot towards New Zealand or certainly have over the years, but there has been an absolute explosion in the development of sheep dairying in New Zealand. I don't know if you've come across that in your travels or in your conversations with people over there. But actually, that is the truth. And when I started researching this in the beginning around 2011, there was... It's not quite true, but there was almost as many dairy sheep in Ireland as New Zealand. There was, there was uh, only a few thousand in New Zealand. There was maybe a thousand here at the time. But literally now there's 25,000 plus dairy sheep in New Zealand and several operations of over 2,000 youths, okay, all producing sheep milk, principally destined, and, so, and sorry, they have a dedicated drying plant for sheep milk now on Southland near Invercargill. Mm. all destined for the high, high, um, high value infant formula market, principally in Taiwan and China and, and in Asia. Basically, again, feeding into the intolerance thing, like uh, dairy products aren't native to the Asian, so there's more intolerances to dairy over there. And there's a bit of a, a, an affluence thing as well, feeding into the sheep milk end of it, you know?
0: Okay. Now, last question for the two of you. And maybe, Ashley, you'll try and answer it first if you want if you were to look back on your 22 year old self coming out of uh with you your ag science degree under your under your arm and you were to start again what advice would you give to a son or daughter of mine or yours or whoever it is who will be graduating over the next number of years or maybe has just graduated goodness that's a,
1: a deep question george mm-hmm. um i think i will first of all i would give them the the philosophical enjoy every day because you never know and 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 embrace it all but for me over the years I've mentioned it already and I my kids are sick listening to me talk about it but networking is just so important just anybody you meet yeah you know view them as somebody that you can help see what you can do for them, build your network. The more different they are to you, the better. Don't just assume because somebody isn't in your field or a potential customer that they uh might be. Don't look at it as how useful can they be for me? How can I help them and grow your network? And it'll it'll give you returns in spades and you'll enjoy the journey along the way. So that would be my advice to, to any of those, uh, my young 22-year-old self.
0: Michael, what about you?
2: Um, I suppose, yeah, I... I, I... I I'd, I'd, I'd buy into all that Ashling is saying there, but also I would say that if you have an opportunity to travel or to go somewhere, uh, absolutely take it up. And don't be um, don't be afraid if it's um, very different or very strange. I think in Ireland we tend to, the majority of people who leave Ireland head to another English-speaking country. Whereas maybe in the past the US or the UK, maybe now Australia, New Zealand, whatever. Don't be afraid to go further than that. Don't be afraid to go to Europe or somewhere else like that. Because yes, things are different. It might be a bit harder if you don't have the language, and you need you probably need to learn the language. But it does open up an awful lot more to you, and that. And, and also I'd say, don't be afraid to step outside your zone, if you like, or your workspace. I worked in the IT industry. I worked in food industry. Then I went to work in the IT industry for seven or eight years. And I learned a ferocious amount there. It was a great, great experience. Meet a whole lot of different types of people, if you like, but I learned hugely there. And a lot of, and I came back then into the food and agri, And a lot of that can be brought back. And I think it's of significant benefit, you know, but don't close any doors, you know, don't rule anything in or anything out, kind of thing as you go along.
0: Look, that's been that's been an absolutely fantastic interview. Thanks so much to Ashling and Michael Flanagan from Velvet Cloud in County Mayo. Uh, both agricultural graduates, they're my own classmates. I wish them a lot of success for the years ahead.